Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Crank up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Harry Kane's shepherding skills. Which year does each Champions League last 16 tie really belong in? Glenn Hoddle on heading. The Box Them In Boys borderline. Scott Parker's 39-year-old kids. Graham Potter's mid-table vocabulary. Peter Drury's Audi switch. What exactly is a traditional clattering? And the life-affirming, heart-swelling, soul-enriching sound of Ali McCoy sort of knowing the location of the ancient city of Troy. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 206 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for the adjudication panel today is David Walker, hotly anticipating the live show at Earth in Hackney tonight. All set? Not really, but we will be. I'll be ready. I suppose we can get away with saying that, um, really, by the time this goes out. Yes, no, but we are all set and it's going to be a cracking show and I'm, I'm, I'm excited, even if you don't sound it. Um, alongside you for the adjudication panel today is James Moore. He returns. Welcome back. Hi, Adam. You may have noticed, among his many other honours, that Harry Kane of Tottenham in England has been awarded the Freedom of the City of London. Um, just how unmarked is he? <laughs> I, he tweeted, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this pedantry, he tweeted that he was proud to be awarded the freedom of a city where he grew up. But as any London residents will know, the city of London isn't all of London, is oh, it? Oh, yeah. Surely the mm. city of the freedom of a city of London is just that rubbish bit with all the wankers in the <laughs> Liverpool Street Station, It's with it's, respect. Yeah, exactly. It's Bank, Liverpool Street, all, all round there. Well, no, yeah. nobody lives there. If you go through there at the weekend, there's just nobody there. Yeah. All the pubs well, are anyone the can have the freedom no of the city of London. You just walk through there at the weekend. I did that very thing, actually, on Saturday, walking through a deserted city of London. Didn't have my sheep with me, but I could have done. Just how arduous would Harry Kane make walking his sheep through the city of London look? I feel like he'd make real hard work of it. He'd do it and he'd, and he'd, and he'd get them, he'd bloody well get them across London, but he'd make, he'd make it look seriously hard work. He is actually very good at shepherding the bull, so... Oh, okay. He'd probably be all right, wouldn't he? He's yeah, like kind enough. of back to the wolves, I guess. Wolves. Natural leader now as well. So I feel like the sheep would follow. He, he's a bit deep for me there. You want him up front leading the sheep? But yeah, as I was saying, he can, he can lead them from the front, but he can also usher them from the back as well. That's that's a sort of a player he's turned into. Anyway, time for the adjudication panel. Um, just before we began recording, the Champions League draw for the last 16 was completed. Um, I want to continue a fine-ish football cliches tradition of running through all of the eight ties and deciding which year they really do belong. 
belonging. James, let's start with RB Leipzig versus Manchester City. This that's quite this is quite a new one, is it? I would go yeah. 2019, 2020 at the very end. Yeah, I'd say so. It's it's very uh, that's hyper modern that one, isn't it? I, that yeah. obviously isn't, you know, Leipzig didn't exist before, I don't know, whenever it was. Yeah. T- 10, 12 years ago, City obviously a completely completely different club 14, 15 years ago. Mm. So, yeah, you couldn't go any earlier than 2019, I don't think. Agreed. Yeah, with technical In fact, it feels yeah. like uh, behind closed doors Let's say 2020, 21 behind closed door. I yeah, maybe they did. Oh no, the season after. But you know yeah. what I mean? That feels nice. Good kind text. Of clinical, sedate, behind closed doors. Yep. Got it. Right, Dave, Club Bruges versus Benfica. I think a bit more historical. I think we could go sort of early 70s with this. Um, it, it, it might have a yeah. sort of Wikipedia page for something, you know, comical that happened that made the first leg have to be postponed or something. Exactly, because because it's in the modern context, it's one of those ties where you're like, oh, not that great, but good for those two. They, they're, ha- they're both happy with that draw. Yeah. But they are both teams that on a sporkle of mm-hmm. Champions League slash European Cup winners you might be thinking, oh, God, oh, Bruges won it in 1978 or something. <laughs> like, surprisingly glorious past, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, decent dollop of history with that one. Um, and I would have said the same about Liverpool versus Real Madrid a while ago, James. But now that feels a little bit more modern too. I'm co- I'm very conflicted about this one. I don't know what year this, this fits in at all. Yeah, it's tough because they've played so many times in yeah. reality that your mind is immediately kind of drawn to that kind of yeah. 2009-ish one. Obviously the final last season and the final in 2018. Mm. Yeah, I guess yeah. the fact they've played in two finals I mean, so recently does it makes it feel like it belongs somewhere in grand. the last kind of five years. Yeah, you're right. And having played so many times, it's not quite as sexy as it used to be I agree I agree with you Dave what about Eintracht Frankfurt versus Napoli I'm going 1987 UEFA Cup wouldn't disagree with that it's similar-ish to the Bruges Benfica one but a bit more weighted in favour of the Napoli side of things they're a bit they're a bit more Champions League-y aren't they Frankfurt are very Europa League but Napoli do have a decent recent Champions League Pedigree. Borussia yeah. Dortmund versus Chelsea. Now, this is obviously quite a refreshing one because they just basically never have never really played each other. And uh, and just even the thought of that yellow kit versus that blue kit is quite refreshing. So I'm very happy with that draw on that basis alone, James. That feels like sort of 2012-13 when Chelsea are reigning champions of Europe mm. and Dortmund are like kind of the young upstarts, the up-and-coming team, everyone's second favourite team. That's when mm. you want that game to have been played that season. Like D- D- Dortmund smashing Chelsea as it's all kind of falling apart. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't envisage it any earlier than that. I mean, you could make a case for Cup Winners' Cup sort of 97 sort of era, but yeah, yeah, Dortmund were too good then, so that doesn't work either. This one's a slam dunk though, Dave. Inter Milan versus Porto. This is this is 2006-2007, isn't it? It's just Dejan Stankovic. It's uh, it's great. Yeah, it's, well, it's the, the Jose Mourinho derby, mm. I suppose, from that sort of era. Yeah. Star-studded affair. I, I mean, I like 7-6 on aggregate that. as well, James. You could plonk that game in any season, in any European competition, and it would feel right. Any competition, yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Across all it three. It could be Europa League, it could be anything. Yeah, absolutely right. Great shout. Paris Saint-Germain versus Bayern Munich, the, well, arguably the grandest of them all. Uh, this does feel quite timeless as well, Dave. I mean, we can't have 70s because Paris Saint-Germain were a nascent club back then. But 95, 96, how about that? Yeah, that works. I, again, slightly clouded by the fact that they, they played each other in the final, yeah, didn't they? Ruins yeah, ruins it. Does ruin two, it. Two seasons ago, does ruin it a bit. But also that was one of the behind closed doors. Final doesn't count. Doesn't, 
feel like it counts. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and finally, James then, AC Milan versus Tottenham. Uh, what, 1965? Yeah, it feels like a very sort of old-fashioned... Yeah, like Jimmy Greaves going back to his former club sort of set up. Like it, it's, I've seen the highlights of it and it's in black and white. Yeah, sort of random photographs of it that make it look like the entire stadium was in pitch black except for the photographer, that sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, all for that. Great. Glad we did that. Yeah, tied a little draw that. Very happy with that. Right, let's stick with European football now and cast our minds back to last week. Uh, Marseille versus Spurs, but before it all kicked off in the truest footballing sense. Um, my favourite bit of it all, though, James, was Glenn Hoddle. Inventing a new adjective for a header. It's a short corner, the ball's whipped in there, looks a beautifully flighted ball. They're not set. Towerous, towerous header from (laughs) Tavares. Look at that, it's a beautiful header. I'm I'm fine with Towerous, James. Um, should it feels like it should be a word and it's one of those words that if you despite not being a word if you google it there'll be some two bob dictionary that has it in it and then you're not sure what to do well, I, was, I was just gonna say have you actually checked that it isn't because it definitely it definitely feels like a word and it feels like it's been used in the right context it'll be some shitty dictionary like the collins or dictionary.com collins really are in the mud these days merriam webster how crap is merriam webster <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, Towerus is not a word. 188 results in the history of Google for the word Towerus. But I'm I, James, like I said, I quite like it. Better than towering, if anything, makes it even, sound even more grand. Yeah, I think so. It's, it, it really served the purpose there. I mean, and that was one hell of a leap as well. A Towerus leap. It was a, it was it works a good leap. perfectly. Yeah. He doubled down mm. on it, Dave, so he, he he likes it at least. I I completely with you. I mean it was an amazing header. Slightly going into a slightly different area here, but was that a textbook header? It, it was huge. That's the sort of thing you would show to kids and say, this is how you do yeah. it. Yeah, downwards. And because he's headed it down, yeah, exactly. Uh, that, mm. that is number one. But then, even the, arm, the arms, the head, the, head, the movement, mm. super. Everything a manager does on the touchline to uh, ghost it in. Dave, this is perhaps one for you and your Sunday League sensibilities. This is from Lewis. It says, playing university football today, we booted the ball out level with our own 18-yard line. And the centre-back shouted that we needed to box the bastards in. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. Their box is absolutely massive. Maybe two-thirds of a pitch. Where on a football pitch is the limit for a team to be boxed in on a throw-in? That's a good question. So is he saying that his own his own teammate said box the bastards in? Assume so, yes. So they've cleared the ball level with oh, their own eighteen yard line, and they're and they're saying they're saying oh, box so the opposition in. The, in they're in their as, own half and they're trying to box. Oh, them then in that is ludicrous. With like eighty yards of the pitch, <laughs> yeah. that's awful, isn't it? Yeah, that's nonsense. Wow, now I've reread it. Yeah, this is a scandal. But Dave, okay, so we're. Where it, where is boxing in territory? What's the line? Well, I think the reverse. I think if you the mm. defending team is taking a throw in level with their own eighteen yard or or, yep. or back with an eighteen yard line, then the attacking team boxes yeah. them in. You can't box. Def, boxing isn't defensive. No, maneuver. no, it's amazing. But then with a high press <laughs> these days, maybe boxing in has moved right up the other end of the pitch. That's where boxing in begins now. Gagan pressing has hit the university football scene. They, they are defending their own eighteen yard line here, so you can't you can't box someone in. I know. On your own 18-yard line. You don't want them to be there. You don't want to box them in in your own bit of the pitch. Box them up up there. Okay. Can I just say, it's taken the entirety of this conversation for me to actually visualise what's happened in this scenario because I didn't didn't understand it at all at the time. And now I just realise how absurd it is. Sorry to everyone involved here. Right, next. Divin de Buffalo writes in, James, has Sky Sports on their website described the last 20 minutes of Spurs versus Liverpool as the latter surviving the former's onslaught. What elements need to be present for an onslaught? I think this is separate, 
perhaps lesser thing than goals leading a charmed life or peppering or even a spell of concerted pressure. I think an onslaught is just waves of attack, isn't it? Yeah, probably. But I feel like you, I reckon you probably need more shots than Spurs had in the last 20 minutes of that game, probably. I don't know, because I, I think it's about, it's, it's, it's as much about balls into the into the area, dangerous That's situations, true. as it is about shots. It's not about you shots, can, you I agree. Be defending the crosses mm. you, you, or you know the keeper can be getting coming out and claiming it or whatever but the the onslaught is 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 like it's like the bombs being fired mm. in so can a penalty area be under siege or is it just the goal a penalty area can be under siege because I, I feel say. like the penalty area was under siege but not the goal this discussion reaching its natural endpoint here james is onslaught is the typical onslaught more intense or less intense than the alamo <laughs> I, le- less intense i think because the Alamo is shots on goal, isn't it? That's that's, yeah, that's front I, I bodies like, in front of the ball and everything. Yeah, has, I think the the Alamo is just an incredibly like frantic uh, period of the game where, like, say bodies bodies on the line, shots off the woodwork, everything going on. It can't be kind of slow, ponderous, yeah. plodding stuff. The Alamo is bullets out of small guns, lots of small guns firing at you. Whereas the onslaught is like like a medieval trebuchet, just smashing in big boulders maybe not necessarily any castle. weapons at all it's it, it's like 500 men on horses coming at you but we're not necessarily with weapons but it waves, certainly not bullets though, i think i think the wave the waves element is crucial yeah. i think it's going to come again not yeah. one period it's yeah fine the alamo is one discrete period of attack it might be long but it doesn't yeah. stop and start again mm. right fine Got it. Yeah. Um, this is from Adam Simpson, who witnessed the wonderful Mick McCarthy on co-commentary for Sheffield United versus Burnley at the weekend. Teams were caught by a bit. Interesting that is. A centre forward running back with a centre back and pulls him down. It's a foul. He gets away with it. If he's a centre half running back with a centre forward and pulls him down, yellow card. You're not bitter after all these years, Mick, are you? Not at all. Fully paid a member of the centre half. I mean, now, Dave, obviously this is pure, pure Mick McCarthy. But just a, my question here is how many figurative football unions do you think he's a fully paid up member of? I'm, I'm guessing at least three. Did he say club, though? He, he did say club. It's a more casual, more casual setup. It's the same thing. I like that. Well, well, it's different, isn't it? Because that, that brings... Who is going on a Thursday night and have a chat? Exactly. That brings to mind. I think that works perfectly. You know, Sam, Big Sam playing darts, pool, cheap beer... Mm carpeted mm. those stickers in the window that say Premier League available here on BT Sport 2006 <laughs> yeah. 7 yeah. 7 8 8 9 yeah. 11 12 14 yeah. 15 and that's it <laughs> exactly yeah I don't know Keith Curl pulling the pints behind the bar <laughs> oh it's good it's much good. better than the union yeah mm. yeah fair enough right this is great this is great it starts off innocuously and just turns into something superb Dave Will Brown writes in and says the phrase, that wasn't the greatest of clearances, got me thinking. What does the greatest of clearances look like? <laughs> I think you're going to say the same thing that's in my head. Go. I just think like meeting it absolutely flush on the volley and hammering the ball down the other end of the pitch or into the stands. Yeah, which is, play, I, think I think it does have to clear. I think clearing the halfway line is grounds for the greatest of so, clearances. James, Dave has gone for pure distance and emphaticness of strike here, where I think we need to add an element of peril here. What about lo- sort of goal line clearances? They count, right? I'm thinking ball dropping over 
from high, defender yeah, backpedaling and still managing to sort of bicycle, overhead kick it off their line. Yeah, hooks over the shoulder and then that distance, if you can do that, into the opposition or into the other half, opposition half, wow. out for a throw-in. <laughs> I don't think you want the ball to still be in play. You want it to go out for a throw-in. You, yeah, that, that needs to be Into the, like, the second or third row of the stand where one of your fans then holds the ball hmm. to kill the game. Okay. And that would be the greatest of clearances. What about like John John Stones against Liverpool for Man City? Yeah, I mean that was just outrageous. And, um, yeah, yeah, that should be. Is that the greatest of yeah. clearances? Any of Ashley Cole's uh, oeuvre of uh, goal line clearances, of course. They were more blocks, though, weren't they? It's a it's a fine line between a block and a clearance. It's a deliberate act, isn't it? Clearance. Yeah. But well, so is a block. But a blo- a block, a clearance. I mean, clearance is all in the name, right? Clearance. You it has the ball has to go yeah. clear. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Whereas the block. Welcome to the Football Cliches podcast. Just... <laughs> um, no, no, you're, you're, ba- you're bang on. You're bang on. Absolutely right. I'm pleased that we've uh, got on to clearances today, actually, because uh, something happened on Saturday when I was at Vicarage Road hmm. for the visit of Coventry City. Um, <laughs> we, had, we were chasing the game 1 0 down, and we had a goal kick late on in the game. And we were playing, uh, these days, we play all our goal kicks short under Slavin Bilic. The bloke next to me shouted to Daniel Backman, just clear it from a goal kick. Oh, I think this is quite an old-fashioned thing, like cleared up field. That's funny because I think that's like a response to like high-pressing teams, isn't it? Because mm. now, now it's a clear yeah. one, like a goal kick. That's bad. Because the other team is so high up the pitch. Yeah, it almost takes the agency away from the team with the ball, clearing it up field as if they're in a panic. It's their ball. It's a dead ball, James. Shouldn't be. Exactly. Shouldn't yeah. be a clearance. Agree with you. But it's time, James, for your debut in For My Sins Corner. Um, you know the format. I would be playing you a... Short clip of audio from a piece of popular culture. And I want you to shout out the phrase for my sins when you think that that very, very football-y phrase is about to be used in a universal context. This is from Homes Under the Hammer. So what was it about this Maisonette that you liked? The bedrooms have got so much character to them. Um, and I felt for a Maisonette, I felt it was pretty large. As soon as you walked in, it, it feels big. Yeah. So I thought... Uh, I'd give you a go. And is this something you do? Are you a property developer? Or? Yes, I've done. This is this will be my fifth one now. Oh, wow. um, I'm a builder, um, and I'm a London cab driver. Oh wow! For my since for my since. <laughs> so what? Are you, what are you, <laughs> there was, oh, when, when so the world was quiet, well. I didn't have the renovations. You to do. bottled it. I'll jump back I can't believe you bottled it. I, I mean, I saw I saw your your thought process though. You thought builder? <laughs> no, nah, that's too obvious. He's gone too early. And then you, you waited. You waited. But um, but when uh, I yeah I, I thought the second. I was waiting for something more for my sinsy though. I don't. Why is why is being a London cabbie for 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 my sin? Even and even he didn't. He sort of went for my for, for my sins. He didn't quite. He, he's, he's not quite convinced in it. It's a very cabbie yeah. phrase, isn't yeah. it? I think. I think it's, it's definitely like if they, that was part of the knowledge. That's one of the things they get taught is to chuck that in at the end of every sentence. But, well, they, but those two things are quite. I feel like a built you know builder and a cabbie kind of. Similar sort of professions. I don't think one or the other would be ashamed of being each other. No, so if he'd if, if he'd said like I'm a builder, but also do a bit of bit of gardening for my sins or something <laughs> like, <laughs> would have made think, more sense. I think with the black cab drivers, David, there's there, there's this kind of um, war of attrition about perception, isn't there? What do what do the people think that black cab drivers think about them? Maybe, what, yeah. Uh, and and yeah. then this is, it just gets into this, this chaos of confusion about what each other thinks about them. Then you throw cyclists into the equation as well. Mm. So maybe that's part of it. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Should have, Some people think they charge too much. I don't know. A poor showing from us both. Yeah. Disappointing from, from a veteran as well on your part. But James, you'll be back another day. You've messed with my head, though, with that one, the goalless. I know. For my sins. I know. 
It's good. It's good to keep you thinking and on your toes. Free. Right. Alex White writes in, Dave, and says, Darwin Nunez has just been called on Sky Raw. What are the criteria for a footballer to be called Raw? Is 154 club games and 13 internationals too experienced to be called Raw? Raw is quite a patronising thing, isn't it? But I, I, I relate it more to sort of young players who, are, who whose ability extends at that point only to running in straight lines very, very quickly and no end product. Well, I, no, but I think there does have to be the suggestion of an end product for you to be Raw. I think we need to have seen glimpses of what they are capable of, but there is a lack of consistency twinned with the with the youth I think I think that's raw because I don't think you'd call somebody who didn't show potential raw you wouldn't say raw because raw is like raw talent isn't it I think I would say it's a player who who a young player who does a lot of things very quickly that kind of bounces around between trying to do lots of different things without any of them really coming off yeah. there has to be that sense of there being like a, a potential upswing there can't be like any kind of degree of consistency with what they're doing but it does feel quite strange in Nunez's case I mean I mean the money shouldn't be an issue but they paid a lot of money for him so he shouldn't be raw and it and it, it feels like despite him being quite inconsistent he seems to have a lot lot more about him than a traditionally raw player is kind of the angle I'm going for here yeah I, I, I think so I think partly it's to do with the fact that Carragher was was it Carragher or Neville talking about this yesterday on the co-coms they, there was a few moments where he like sort of miscontrolled the ball and didn't he didn't quite necessarily you know use the best technique in a few of the things he was doing and they were calling him sort of um, what are they calling him not sloppy, something like sloppy, messy or something like that. But it was like, I think that sort of plays into it. Like the fact that he occasionally he'll just rocket one into the top corner or great header or whatever. But other times he he's still got a bit of a shank in him or a miscontrol or a bad touch. A rough diamond, perhaps. Mm. Mm. Is, is he too big to be raw? I feel like he's too like physically big to be like. Yeah, maybe. I, I, that's not the word you'd use to describe him. I don't think. I just don't think his game's based enough around pace to be described have, as would, raw. Would Andy Carroll have been described as raw when he came through at Newcastle in that for in that period where he was looking really good, but before yeah. he got his big move? It does work. It, it's conceivable, you know. You know, a player to have one obvious dimension and not nothing else about him yet. Uh, early Drogba. Yeah. See what I mean? It's like they're 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 still a bit rough around the edges, but mm. they're but there's something there. Raw. Yeah, something to work with. That that, that yeah. that's the positive element. A, a coach has seen something to work with there. That's for sure. Mm. Okay. Jamie Vardy would have been. Raw, oh, pure he? raw. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. Fleetwood era Vardy. Maybe even Stockbridge steals. First season at Leicester, I think. He's still mm. he's, he's not long come up from non-league. He's still raw. But mm. look at that pace. Sean Something Bean's there. character in When Saturday Comes. Raw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, curious little questions like that and much, much more will be explored on the Football Clichés live tour, which kicks off tonight at Earth in Hackney before we go to Manchester's new Century Hall on the 15th of November and Dublin's Liberty Hall Theatre on the 16th of November. Tickets still available for those. Just go to myticket.co.uk or just Google Football Clichés Live. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. 
dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Right, this is from Owen Maguire, who uh, who was watching Scott Parker on BT Sport at the weekend, doing the whole out-of-work manager reflecting on their whole existence thing, James. But there was a moment where Owen Maguire wondered just how old Scott Parker's kids are. Whatever we do in life, we're in a rat race, and certainly at times it's the intense nature of what football management brings sometimes. You probably lose sight of some other things which are which are missing. They've got four, four young sons, and then they're not getting any younger. They're getting older, and there's time sometimes which is invaluable, really. Scott Parker's 39-year-old <laughs> sons. You can't use it for kids. It doesn't work. You can imagine Scott Parker having children that act and dress exactly the same as him, right? <laughs> They'd all, they'd all be dressed in, acting exactly the same way, talking exactly as earnestly about their, you know, the GCSE coursework or whatever. The, the, the honest thing- pros, as soon as as soon <laughs> yeah. as they were born, Dave. Great servants. Great servants. So, oh, he's so earnest, isn't he? But the, the only thing in his defence is that he, footballers, I mean, they are sort of renowned for knocking out kids when they're like... <laughs> you know, 20 or whatever, and having, you know, like Phil yeah. Foden's got two kids, isn't he, I think, and it's like, which is fine, which is great, they're, they're perfectly set up to four children and why not do it, and it's a good thing for them. Everything like, there is geared towards uh, raising children, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> so like his kids could, so if he had, if he, how old is he, in his early 40s, maybe about yeah, 40? Yeah, Well, we could have like a few that are 20, a couple that are 17. <laughs> Dunno, not getting any younger, that's for sure, um, but yeah, sorry Scott. Had to do it. Richie writes in, David says, Glenn Murray on Five Live just described the second Mo Salah goal against Spurs as an early Christmas present from Eric Dyer. Too early, surely. Well, normally I would say this, and we would have this debate on an annual basis on the Football Clichés podcast, but the World Cup complicates matters, doesn't it? Um, how does it? Because there's not there's not much domestic football to be played between now and Christmas, so right. Christmas has essentially started in a Premier League sense. You yeah, have well, to squeeze it in now. There's only one more Premier League game before Christmas. Hmm. Of course. That's yeah. a good point. A sky going to have to like use their Christmas music. Yeah, the little jingly sort of background <laughs> stuff. <Yeah>. And all <laughs> the snowman stuff. They're going to have to whack it out next weekend. Don't forget, you can watch Home Alone 2 on Sky Sports Max <laughs> <laughs> straight in after this week. Uh, which further begs the question could the same goal in the World Cup final be described? Not Well, it's an early Christmas present. It'd be the 18th of December. 18th of December. That's. Yeah, it's bang on. Bang Pre- on for an early premium, Christmas present. Yeah. That doesn't belong in World Cup terminology. It just doesn't, does it? Yeah. Ooh, it's horrible. It's horrible. Interesting tweet from the Athletics Chelsea correspondent, Liam Toomey. 
after the game against Arsenal on, on Sunday, he says, I sympathise with the problems Potter is navigating at Chelsea at the moment, but huffed and puffed is an expression that was ever going to be well received after a performance like today. I kind of get this, Dave. I feel like a top six manager shouldn't be talking about his team huffing and puffing. Potter is quite an honest sort of manager, isn't he? His he, mid-table chat. It, it, yeah, it is. It is. And I mean, I, I don't even... They barely huffed and puffed, to be honest with you, yesterday. But yeah, it's, mm. not, it's unbecoming of a man... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. In charge of Chelsea. I well, it's like that. It's like that David Moyes, um, like a Manchester United tweet of a David Moyes quote that's since become a meme. That yes, they need to improve at their like defending, passing, goal scoring, yeah. dribbling, and whatever else. It's true. Could it's a similar sort of thing, isn't it? I mean, I don't have any sort of deep Keynesian feelings about Potter's suitability to manage Chelsea at this point, but um, there were early earlier warning signs about this, James. Uh, I think in his first match in charge at Chelsea, which I think they drew afterwards, Potter said something like, "I thought the boys gave everything." Thing. Like, you can't say that as a Chelsea manager. <laughs> it's in the Champions League, I think, as well. You can't say was, yeah. the boys gave everything. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, he is. That does really highlight the subtle change in language you use between like a kind of a, an, an ambitious club, smaller couple, and upward trajectory, and suddenly being at one of the mega clubs when like every single result is massively scrutinised. Yeah, because and I think this is an interesting one, Dave. I mean, it's it's not the first time a manager has moved from that between that sort of club to a club like that in terms of stature, but it, it's the first time it's probably happened in the Premier League for a long time mid-season so it's quite a unique move in that respect so the idea that he might have had to change the way he talks about games almost completely autopilot really I think it's quite interesting it is but I I do think there is something about our perception of him because we know he's Mm. come from where he's come from and and he needs to remember that as well in the not just what he says but the way he says it he's very measured but he's, I think at a club like Brighton, it's kind of, you're not too high, you're not too low. You kind of, yeah. if you have a good win, it, you've got to keep yourself in check. And if you mm. have a, have, you could lose three in a row and you need to still be level-headed. But at Chelsea, you've got to imagine, you've got to remember the environment you're in. Because if you think, if you, the boys gave everything, if Klopp or Pep said that, you could imagine them saying that. And they, but they'd say it with like, with a, with a, with a, you're right. They enthusiasm would enthusiasm in a yeah. way. Oh, the boys, they give me everything. So good. They give everything. Yeah. They're big enough to get away with it. I don't know, yeah. maybe there's this kind of sweet spot yeah. where you, you're not allowed to get away with it. But James, I'll tell you another thing. He's going to lose it soon. Like the, the veneer of calmness of Graham Potter, which has served him so well, is going gonna, is gonna to slip. He has such an AVB energy, that guy. Right. I, it Ooh, feels really? to me like the, the two things just run really parallel. I don't have him down like, as highly strong like that like, at all. A, a obviously really intelligent bloke and yeah. a very good like coach and tactician mm. but yeah I just feel like there's just a slight edge like it could just like yeah like you say he could just kind of lose it somewhere and then suddenly it's just all going to feel completely different yeah, I, I, maybe not before Christmas but it's going to happen I could see Fast it forward to Graham Potter being in the Dakar rally I'm not suggesting he's going to get sacked and then sleep at the training ground afterwards like mm. he did at Chelsea before yeah. maybe beat it um, speaking of Christmas uh, here is the Aldi Christmas slash World Cup advert it is a fruit and vegetable pastiche of Nike's legendary Brazil at the airport classic but with Peter Drury let's hear it that's Betty Oh, he's missed it! 
no real beef with the concept here, Dave. Uh, reasonably well executed. But yeah, my big puns. question here is, have they made enough? Have they have they used the big man well enough here, Drury? I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you know what? I'll let you into uh, the, the inner workings of my mind here. Uh, as we were yeah. preparing for the uh, upcoming live show the other day, I had a little thought about mm. something we've got on the running order. And I thought, you know, could we get Peter Drury to to, to voice that <laughs> bit for us? And I thought to myself, nah, no, it will sound, it won't be the same, you know, out of context, out of his arena in the comic. He'll do a good job, but it, it's not. It won't be true, pure Drury. Yeah, I know. What and you I mean. think this. I think this is in the same sort of thing here. I'd, you know, maybe they could have given him a better script or whatever. I think the script's more into down. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but yeah. even even if they they allowed him to go full draw jury, it's not going to sound the same when he's commentating over vegetables in an airport, is it? Yeah, it's a tough gig. But James, you have identified an elephant in the room. I'm told that's the wrong music for that. Yeah, advert. I it thought is. this was going to be it. Is they've it? They've conflated two Nike adverts, haven't they? Oh. The, 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 oh, really? the music from the '98 airport advert was Masquenada. Thank you. Wow. You've saved me embarrassing myself not, uh, by acknowledgeing I don't know what it was. But it, obviously, it was like a piece of I get was it was it Brazilian music? Sergio Mendes. Maybe. Yeah. And there's no real reason uh, for it, is there? You know, there's, no, there's, no, there's no technical da, 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 reason to use Elvis. Da, 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 but, but the Elvis wow. song was yep. the Elvis song was in a subsequent Nike advert for the World yes. Cup, wasn't it? Was it not? Was it the tournament one in the cage? I think definitely was a bit later. So, uh, maybe uh, is that a rights thing? If in doubt, it's a rights thing. It's isn't a better. It? It's a better. They couldn't, it, it, couldn't it, afford it. It suits the advert better, though, I suppose, because it's, it's quite more upbeat and pacey. I don't know. People yeah, maybe, maybe maybe they thought the people wouldn't notice. Yeah, the common punter <laughs> wouldn't get it. I don't know. Mind you, to be fair, not a day goes by without James Moore mentioning one of the Nike adverts from the nineties or two thousands. So uh... all the all the vegetables have got p- football pun names, with the ca- the carrots just called Kevin. Is it meant to be like a De Bruyne? I, no, I think he's just called Kevin the Carrot. I believe he's just right, one of the okay. sort of main characters. Character? I think okay. that's right. Beth Swede, I think, is the best pun there. Yeah. Would you agree? Maradona. Uh, yeah. yeah. Maradona, not good. bad. Yeah, that's good. There have been a lot of puns on Maradona down the years, and I would say Maradona is yeah. one of the better ones. Marrow's quite handy here because no one obviously has, no one ever eats marrows or buys marrows or cooks marrows, but always handy for, for pun purposes. So People grow marrows, big ones. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, giant marrows. Anyway, uh... <laughs> <laughs> diminutive marrow um, next up a great footballing word brought to our attention by Leo Watkins James he says what is the criteria needed for being clattered what type of tackle is it is it automatically a yellow or even a red card can a clattering be a legal yet heavy challenge let's deal with the first thing what type of tackle is a clattering I'm thinking side on yeah. like a real sort of skidding across wet turf agreed not like studs up but Certainly not. Studs are not an issue in clattering. Yeah, Stud- yeah absolutely right. This is a There's tangle a of, of limbs. Lower, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like kind of shins into shins. Yeah, the guy goes flying. Damn right. So it's not. I mean, it's probably like a foul half a time, maybe. Because mm. you win the ball most. Of the you get time the ball quite. Well. You know, like maybe fifty percent of the time, mm. he's going to get the ball. I think crucially here is, is it's not a leg breaker. It's a full body experience. You're basically taking their whole lower body in mm. one go. And, and and as James rightly points out, there's no studs involved. There's no cynical modern nastiness here. It's pure old fashioned violence. And it's and if you broke your leg in a clattering, you're just quite unlucky. That's just that's the way the the leg crumbled, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I think. But crucial point that James made, Dave. It, it's definitely a sideways on thing most of the time into the advertising hoardings. A clattering. You could clatter someone from behind, but I don't think it's traditional. It's just you could clatter into someone. In, mm. in a way that almost like 
Callum Wilson, Hugo Lloris situation from a few weeks ago. That was sort of a bit of a clat. They sort of clattered into each other, didn't they? I would say clattering into someone in the penalty area is a totally different thing. That implies to me like a more kind of clumsy contact and not necessarily like a kind of full body conscious act of violence. Mm, More like a kind of clumsy kind of tangling of limbs that then results in the player going down and then Mm. that that team getting a penalty. Slightly concerned here that uh, one or both of you think that um, sort of shoulder barges are included in clattering. This is a shoulder situation. No, but I think you can have like a full a full body to body clatter. Yeah, but it has to be a tackle. It has to be a sliding tackle. It has to be a. It's not. It's not horizontal like a tackle. Mean. You can't clatter someone with your shoulder. Wow. Oh, well, I disagree. I disagree. Actually, I think. I think. I, but I think they're, they're two separate things. I think you're right. Like. I think the I think there's like a clump there's a clumsy element to a clattering perhaps yeah but there's also a cynical element to it which is what you say yeah a fullbacks kick the ball down the line and the, and the the the, the attacking player has slid in late mm. and gets and clatters clatters into the fullback yes mm. but I think I think that clumsily two players could clatter into each other and maybe okay. clash heads a or neutral whatever. clattering yeah okay uh, maybe. Maybe, but it's, it's a great football word, though, James. I really—it's very evocative. A clattering. Don't I mean, I think there's a certain stage in the game where you want to see a clattering. Yeah. Well, like if all else fails, let me see someone get clattered. Mm. Yeah, it's like it's like the the poor man's taking of the scruff of the game's neck, isn't it? If you can't do it with the ball, then go and clatter someone. Yeah. If you if you can't get the ball, you yeah. have to do it that way. Exactly. Yeah. Born of frustration. Uh, very interesting discussion. Now, I'm um I'm very tempted to introduce. A no, I think it's just you, mate, corner, because this is a fantastic candidate for it. This is from Nick Van Dyke, who says, Am I alone in thinking St Mary's looks wetter than other Premier League stadiums when it chucks it down? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no idea. I wish I did kind of want to agree, but I can't think of any reason to. Is there any possibility? You know, there's that thing that people always say about Manchester. It, actually, it is wetter than everywhere else because of the Pennines and clouds and yeah. other geology and whatever. Who, what's the rainiest that, Premier League stadium in your head, James? I'm going Goodison all day long. Yeah, Goodison is good. Because you, mm. uh, you do kind of like put rainy and misery in the same sort of place <laughs> in your mind, don't you? It wasn't about that. It's just pure aesthetics. I've been I've been to Goodison Park once in my life and it was absolutely pissing it down. Right. For a right. Europa League game against Lyon. Yeah. You know, actually, I think Fulham is quite an underrated <laughs> rainy ground. Right. Maybe not so much now they've got that new stand, but when it was like much more open. Right. And you get the wind whipping in off the Thames. If you're if you're stood near that end of that ground, of that stand, you get absolutely drenched. Great water cycle chat here. This is great. Southampton is on the docks, isn't it? Down. Yeah. yeah, more water yeah. around. So, on the subject of Saint Mary's, I just want to yeah. uh, bring bring this up now that they, now that it's been mentioned. Last week's episode, you and Charlie uh, were talking about grounds that were rocking or bouncing. Oh yeah, and you asked the question: what's, what's the what's the least rocky ground in the Premier League? It has to be Saint Mary's by a country mile, surely. Can you ever remember when Saint Mary's has been rocking? It's a good, very good point. I mean, there must have been a couple of sort of isolated high points under Hazenhutter where his high-octane brand of football might have got them off their feet. But Pochettino, maybe, yeah. But it's just just all... For me, I just associate it with like like that game against Newcastle yesterday. It's like Mm. they're always in an early slot and you've got like the low winter sun and it's just just pretty quiet. Yeah, bang on. It is the least rocky stadium. It's a very good shout. Right, it's time for Keys and Grey Corner. Ford 
Uh, well, we kind of had to do this, really. I mean, I know he's been banging this drum for a long, long time, James, but um, this has to come to a head at some point. But I know he's self-aware. But Richard Key's tweeting, why is this allowed every week? Tagging in PGMOL. Arteta has been jumping up and down all game, way outside his technical area. Potter is in his and his fourth is watching. Do something about this man. <laughs> this man! <laughs> The moral panic of Mikel Arteta outside his territory. Accompanied by a photograph of the big screen at BN. He just like turned around and taken a picture that of the, the massive key. screen. It's like yeah. he's written into Crime Watch, Dave. With some CCTV say, from his yeah, front yeah, yeah. porch. The tagging of the tagging of the PGMOL does take <laughs> it into the slightly more formal complaints. Are they are they are they obliged to to now reply to Keezy? <laughs> Taking through the procedure, maybe, but maybe they should. Maybe PGMOL should be like I don't know, Virgin Trains or something. Like say, um, sorry to hear about this, Richard. Uh, <laughs> we'll get back to you, and then it's like you, no, yeah. Claudia or Darren. something like that. <laughs> if you DM me more details, I'll be happy to take it from there. <laughs> PGMOL, some sort of beleaguered customer service operative saying we have seen it and we are very sorry to hear about your just your just signed off, Mike. <laughs> Is, if he if he gets justice about this one day, he is going to be unbearable. I mean, uh, the thing is, it's now become such a thing that I can't take my eyes off Arteta now when, in, in these games. And he, I mean, it is it is persistent, isn't it? He's always he's always just outside. Always. The, the, the photo, James, is damning. Look at the fourth official just standing there doing nothing, yeah, nothing. Doing, he's doing absolutely nothing about it. Almost like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> right then. Um, to play us out, I I don't know what the John Lewis Christmas advert is this year, but instead of some breathy, poignant cover version of a 1990s dance hit, they should just have this. Alistair Murdoch McCoist on BBC quiz show The Wheel, helping an oncology nurse to the £82,000 top prize after correctly steering on the correct location of the ancient city of Troy. Have you got any clue? Funnily enough, yeah. I don't think it's Egypt. Okay. And okay. I don't think it's Greece. I'm no, no expert at all. No. I'm leaning towards Turkey. I'm Turkey. All right, Turkey but and Iraq. Turkey and Iraq. Turkey and Iraq. Ancient city of Troy. I just, Trojan. Troy, Trojan horse, Trojan war. Turkey. I don't think it's Egypt. I don't know why, Helen. Okay, okay. I'm not sure not about Iraq. Greece. No. Greece is a kind of obvious no, one. Yeah. <laughs> What are you going to lock in? I'll lock in Turkey. Honestly, David Walker, is there a single scenario, emergency scenario in your life that you wouldn't trust McCoy's to get you out of? <laughs> I think they should immediately install him, get rid of Clarkson and put McCoyst in as the new host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Mm. Incredible. Incredible. Um, James, do you think do you think all that groundwork he did at the twenty eighteen World Cup has as um breathed new life into this nurse's life? <laughs> Yeah, you can see that stood him in good stead, I think. Yeah. That the, the amount of research he was doing, I mean, you can see, yeah, you can definitely see that could have helped. That's and tremendous. you're right, it's it's made a massive difference to her life. Yeah. How much money did that winner? £82,000. Decent. Brilliant. And he celebrated it with such joy as well. Yeah. 
Superb. Ah, get um, in there. Get in there. <laughs> Turkey. <laughs> uh, if if I die tomorrow, I want the last thing I've heard well, to be Alistair McCoist pronouncing the word turkey. Don't die before the start of the no, live show. Not. And don't die on Sorry, right, They'll be hearing this tomorrow, so it'll be on Wednesday, so it's fine. <laughs> um, RIP me. Thanks to Dave for joining us on the adjudication panel today. Thank you. Thanks to you, James Moore. Thanks. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back on Thursday, and we'll see you in Hackney if you're coming to the show. Cheers! The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.